0: you go for two whole episodes without any singing
1: i just want to point out your staunch (laughs) anti-broadway position is considerably at odds with your all singing all dancing podcast oh it's so
0: true it's so true um i'm really just i'm just angry you know i'm just waiting to be cast on something on broadway yeah well it's it's gonna happen Corey. it's Uh, gonna happen okay um i'm rachel morgan I'm the creative director for the Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema, and um, who the heck are you?
1: I'm Corey Kraft. I'm a producer on Broadway, and let <laughs> me tell you, um, we're not, this is not exactly what we're looking for.
0: Choreographer, too, huh?
1: Yeah, that's right. So, oh. um, try those steps again. Let's one, a two, one, two. Let's
0: talk about the one, movies, two. the movies, the movies. Oh, my God. I'm warning you. Uh-oh. Get ready. I'm ready. What the shit? There it was. I told you all it was coming. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, you know what the deal is. Oh, I have news. Uh-oh. I have news. Okay. The cardio cinema is bad. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> I got... Nature more. is healing. No,
0: oh, it is. We are the virus. Um, I... <laughs> Got a gem membership again. okay like, I was without my gold. The Gold's gem went away. Fuck you, Gold's gem. They went away. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> couldn't handle what? a pandemic. You couldn't handle a global pandemic. Oh my god. These juicers, they're the ones who are like, we can do anything. A global pandemic comes along, and they're supposed to be the last thing standing. The the,
1: the <laughs> muscle heads aren't the one who made the corporate policy.
0: I mean they about 48 hours and they were like, we don't have a gym anymore. Okay. Anyway, I've gone to a different gym, but I went last night. My home gym does not have a Cardio Cinema, but I discovered one that was formerly a Gold's Gym and they've retained the Cardio Cinema. Oh my god! And Cardio Cinema, even though Gold's Gym had a little trademark after it, they're using that name.
1: Oh boy.
0: Just so Gold's Gym, who listens, I'm sure knows. 24E. <laughs> has stolen the name Cardia So don't,
1: don't tell on 24E <laughs>
0: okay but guess what I did not actually get this film from the cardio cinema because when I went in there very late last night and it was a very packed jump the uh, there was like just a Harry Potter logo bouncing like a screensaver and I was like I'm out of (laughs) here so anyway I just did other things instead but I did bring this to you from the old uh, glorious YouTube okay and so I'm going to describe the scene you're going to try to guess the film you usually do it pretty darn quick but you've been messing up some you know okay so here we go there's two men in a hallway. I'm not going to tell you who one of the men is because you will know it pretty quickly, I think, if okay. you do. And if you do, it'll make it not fun. It needs to be harder than that. So two men having a what I would call an aggressive combo in a hallway. Um, one of them then leaves to chase another man who's sort of made an appearance. There's a little bit of an escalator chase. The guy jumps over the edge of the escalator. There's a rent-a-cop kind of dude who then approaches the our guy who's chasing. You know what this is?
1: How recent of a film is this?
0: Oh, I don't know. It's not that it's not that recent. I know that. Hmm. So the renegade cop guy kind of like tries to reprimand our guy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and our guy, who's the one who, if I tell you who he is, you might know what this is, sort of flashes a badge, and the renegade cop guy's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry, dude." Um, he chases the other guy, uh-huh. uh, resumes the chase, traps him. Is like, "Oh, you made a stupid decision of the you know route to take." sort of pushes the guy up against a chain link fence and the guy's hand is bleeding. the guy's like, I need a medic. It's like, what do you want? And you know, our guy kind of goes, what do you think? And then at this point, the camera work is really terrible. It's like one of those episodes where a show, a television episodic has been going on for, you know, like, 10 years and they start letting the cast members direct, like directed by Brian Austin Green. Mm-hmm. And everything has got, like every camera move has got to be like canted or, you know, it. the camera work is like that. It's bad. Um, so then there's some back and forth with them. And the guy gives them, gives our guy the money, gives him some money out of his pocket. Yeah. And the money's bloody. I can't believe you don't, know this at this point uh I feel, I I, there's no way you haven't seen this film okay okay so um maybe this will do it so then there's some bullets on the ground and our guy kind of steps on the bullets goes back and the guy who was having the angry combo convo in the hallway he gives him the money and as he's walking off he goes everybody loves rick santoria santora rick, rick santora. santora everybody loves rick santora that gets said and then he gives the bloody money to the guy from the hallway
1: is this Snake Eyes?
0: This is Snake Eyes.
1: Yeah. You
0: got it. It took you a damn minute. But I didn't have to say Nicolas Cage, which I was two seconds away from.
1: Yeah, that. this is Snake Eyes. This okay. is Snake Eyes. Yeah. So this is happening during like the, the big fight. This is at the beginning of the movie, I think, before I have no
0: idea. I don't remember. I saw this film many years ago. Oh, it rules. I don't I think I saw it in the background. I am not doubting it does. I mean it's still shitty, but it shitty rules.
1: <laughs> but it's De Palma.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Mm, okay, I'm gonna leave it at that. Uh, that doesn't mean anything to me. Um, ooh, sorry, everybody. Ooh. Oof, oof. I mean,
1: I don't think I don't think like most listeners were terribly offended by that, but I was. <laughs> uh, I'm a De Palma guy, as yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can
0: sometimes be a De Palma
1: guy. This is this is a fun movie though. Um, so so Cage is a dirty cop, kind of on the take. Yeah. He was shaking down a drug dealer for money. Um, and got some of his money, and, and I forget, is he having the angry conversation with Gary Sinise, or is this no, later in it
0: the wasn't movie? Gary Sinise. Well, Gary Sinise I don't, is in this
1: movie. I don't, um, maybe
0: I didn't pay enough attention. I'm I, I, when when Nicolas Cage is in a scene, I'm very distracted by his well, he's everything, especially yeah.
1: in this movie where he's got the very flamboyant suit on. Oh, yeah, and it's, it's Atlantic City, there's a big prize fight, so right. he's like, he's got um really good seats for the prize fight. He's like a big um, influencer, like dirty cop influencer in Atlantic city. And so this, the sort of sleazy uh, milieu is his whole, that's, that's where he feels at home. Um, But, but obviously this movie takes some turns because there's like a high ranking government official at this prize fight who gets assassinated. And so cage has to put together uh, a conspiracy, that led to the assassination of this um, government official. Um, it's it's a classic De Palma oh, setup. Oh, it's
0: classic De Palma. I have a side story. Okay. Um, we've been long-winded these last couple episodes, so I'm going to discontinue with that and say that okay. I once took a bus to Atlantic City. Oh, boy. Um, the bus there wasn't terribly bad. This was – Pre, this was when Trump was still on like The Apprentice and wasn't a threat to humankind. Okay, and I think I we stayed at the Taj or something. <laughs> I think we stayed at his hotel. Maybe we didn't. I'm, I definitely know that there was some Trump moment in this whole thing that was at the time funny when things are not funny anymore. Um, but here's the best part: the bus there, fine. You know, lost a little money on gambling. You know, but
1: you didn't like you didn't ruin yourself.
0: Didn't ruin myself. Didn't rough anybody up. But the bus ride back. Okay,
1: this You're, is a Greyhound. All of the passengers whose dreams have been shattered, been shattered,
0: and and th- you try to find sort of a nice part of Atlantic City, something that feels like not seedy, and it's impossible, <laughs> and so I'm on this Greyhound bus, and we've we've situated ourselves. By the time we get on the bus, it's pretty full, and so we're kind of towards the back. And I was like, what is that? What does that smell? Oh no! And then. A very shamed bus driver steps onto the front of the bus, and I was like, what's, what's wrong? And he couldn't make eye contact with anybody, and he just hung his head when he delivered this news. And it was one of the most defeated human beings I've ever witnessed in my life. I'm so sorry to this gentleman. But he hung his head, and he said, I just need everybody to know that the bathroom is broken. Wow. Well. <laughs> Which I thought, oh, well, I wasn't going to use it anyway. And then I realized about 20 minutes later why he was in such a moment of shame when the air began to circulate oh, no. <laughs> on the bus. Anyway, it was snake eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the first time, Corey, that I ever wore a mask in public for um, health reasons. Oh, my
1: God. And now a look at what we're watching this week.
0: Hey, 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 what are you watching, dude? All right.
1: I want to talk about three recent uh, thrillers, and I'm using that word thriller as it's a big umbrella word here um, that that I saw, one of which I saw in theaters. I alluded to it last episode. Um, I saw Spiral from the Book of Saw uh, at the Sidewalk Cinema, and it had a ball with it. Um, It's dumb and, you know. It's a Saw movie. It's a right? Saw movie. What, what is this, number eight? Nine? Number nine. Oof. Um, this is kind of as the last one was a spin off from the main saga,
0: which was not indie.
1: Which was. It uh, was
0: an indie. It was like a Sundance hit. Yeah. Um, you know where I first heard about Saw? This is kind of a funny indie. Where? This is a very indie story. I met Morgan Spurlock. No way. <laughs> many, many years ago. I met Morgan, Morgan Spurlock before he was.
1: I guess Saw and Supersize Me came out the year. same year. Yeah.
0: And he told me he had, you know, he had. I had not been to Sundance that year. Uh-huh. Um, I, I was in, I mean, for, for good reason, I was in film grad school at the yeah. time when I met him. And uh, and he, he said to me, you have got to see this film. Like we talked and sort of fast friends ish kind of thing. And I had seen Super Size Me, and um, and he was coming off. I mean, he was sort of just at the height of like Andy famous at that yeah, point. Yeah, And um, maybe that was the height of it. I don't know. I mean, I, no, hard for, to say. for him, I think it was, it was the height of it. height of it. Yeah. Um, and he, he said, oh, you've got to see this film that I saw at Sundance. You're gonna fucking love it. And it's this, it's called Saw. Anyway, wow. that was my f- introduction to did Saul was it? via Morgan Spurlock. You know what? I I liked it at that time. Yeah. I did. I thought, you know, I liked it at that time.
1: It's pretty goofy.
0: It's pretty goofy. It's pretty uh, you know, it, it's hard to freeze that moment in time though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was I, at I that time, you. it was it, it was something at that time. It's uh, Anyway, yeah. So my my first introduction to Saul was via Morgan Morgan Spurlock who as everybody knows, is the star of and directed Super Size Me.
1: So have you seen Spiral?
0: Haven't seen Spiral. Well,
1: Spiral is, it it kind of follows a copycat killer um, who is targeting dirty cops. And um, Chris Rock is a um principled cop who is on the other side of of the the line from his um resentful colleagues he once turned in a dirty cop and um now faces the scorn of everybody including it turns out his father played by Samuel L Jackson who was the former police chief okay um so rock is paired with a rookie detective and all of a sudden, these copycat saw uh, things start happening where these dirty cops are uh, fiendishly entrapped in um, these, you know, Rube Goldberg style mechanisms that rip parts of their body off and so forth and so on. Them dirty cops. Um, it, this movie is it's it's so like it, it's almost like a '90s cop movie mad libs that somebody like wrote in saw stuff in. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, there yeah. is there is no <laughs> trope or cliche left unturned. Oh man. But it almost like cycles all the way back around to feeling kind of fresh and interesting uh, because it's been a while since we've seen something that tropey and silly and stupid. Um, It kind of eats itself alive. though. Yeah, kind of. And, you know, honestly, like, I think that's kind of a cool take on the, the saw mythos because a lot of those saw movies did focus on the police department and their investigation of, of the jigsaw killer or whatever. And like, that's fine. But this, this leans like, fully into the cop movie thing. And and for what it is, I thought it was pretty fun. Again, I don't know how much of that was just me being glad to be back in the in a movie
2: theater. Sure. And thanks um, to Spiral
0: for that. I just want to just give a little shout out there. If this film is not doing a VOD release simultaneous to its theatrical and man oh man do us movie theaters um and I am, you know, I'm just I'm referring to myself as a movie theater right now. Um <laughs> but uh d- every cinema programmer we appreciate this yeah
1: so i i don't know if this movie is worth waiting to check out honestly when it comes out on blu-ray or vod or whatever because
0: <laughs> go to the cinema
1: but go, but if you want to have a good stupid time and get some delicious popcorn and a root beer and just watch people like really get murdered um
0: who doesn't want to do that and also do, our, seasoning bar, our oh, seasoning bar is back bar is back. It?
1: I missed that. I yesterday mm. I had
0: I had Aaron Penhos. Um, I was like, isn't it time for the return of a seasoning bar? Yeah. And you know, Aaron's a little grumpy guy, and he was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> so anyway, the seasoning bar is back. Well, that's
1: now. that's good. That's exciting.
0: Just in time for a Spiral. The next two weeks of Spiral. Anyway, so, by the time you hear this, probably one week. But
1: yeah. right. So the other movie I saw was a movie that went day and date on HBO Max. It's the new Angelina Jolie thriller, "Those Who Wish Me Dead."
0: I saw it too. Um,
1: what do you think about it?
0: Um, it's on my list, so I'll talk about it in a second. Okay. But yeah. Well,
1: so, so I won't talk about it much since you're going to bring it up. Um, and I, I, I liked it. All right. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, it's a, it's a, a really pared down sort of nineties throwback again to, yep. to sort of like, um. Uh, a hitman thriller crossed with a natural disaster movie. Um, and and I, I had a good time with it um, for what it was. And then the other movie is a movie that you and I texted about, The Woman in the Window, this movie on Netflix uh, with Amy Adams and Julianne Moore. Um, you sent me a negative review of this movie. And uh, my response was... <laughs> I don't think that a movie that features Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, and Jennifer Jason Lee could possibly be all that bad.
0: And? It sucks. Oh, man. It's so bad. And the headline was, Amy Adams stumbles through.
1: And she does. Oh,
0: what's going on with my I don't girl? know. It is
1: a career downturn for Amy Adams because this is two consecutive stinkers in Hillbilly Elegy and now The Woman in the Window. So this is directed I think she by- I my love. Uh, she I think needs that, something. I think
0: that she's – I think she's distracted. I think she's thinking too much about me.
1: Uh-huh. You, you <laughs> need to pull her out of this tailspin.
0: <laughs> I couldn't even – I couldn't even go a full sentence with that. I'm sorry.
1: So this is kind of a rear window pastiche based yeah. on uh, one of those you know, novels that everybody reads on, on an airplane and, and – Never Thinks About Again. That cast,
0: um, what a damn shame. Yeah.
1: It's directed by Joe Wright, who directed Pride and Prejudice, Atonement, Anna Karenina. A lot, he's an accomplished director. Sure. Um, it also features Gary Oldman, Wyatt Russell, Brian this Tyree there's Henry. There's no excuse for this being bad. It's got a stacked cast. I think that this movie was taken away from him. I think that this okay. movie was partially reshot. It's a lumbering sort of Frankenstein's monster of a movie where you feel sometimes like the movie wants to go really stylized, yeah. like, like into, into yep. De Palma territory. And then there are other things about it that are just visually kind of flat and, and don't add up to anything. I mean, the movie is just – like, again, talk about Mad Libs. Like, this is – An agoraphobic woman who lives in her Manhattan apartment who sees across the street what she believes to be a murder, but then nobody believes that the woman ever existed. Yada yada yada. You can you can see where this thing's going the whole time. Oh man, Um, it's just not good. It's just not good, and everybody is bad in it.
0: Which these this is not the first role that they've taken. You know what I mean? Like these are experienced actors who have. Been good before, had been exceptional before. I, I'm very confused. Amy Adams and Julianne Moore. I mean, these are no two of our excuse. finest actresses. And Gary Oldman. There's no excuse here. It's it, I'm sorry, it really is something.
1: It's it's the hell's really going on. It's quite bad, and you okay. can see why this thing got delayed and sold off to Netflix because. Right.
0: Because Netflix will take anything.
1: Yeah, well, you dirty dog. This is clearly the case with this movie. It was damaged goods. Yeah. Well, they'll, uh, they'll, so that's what I've been watching. Um, you know, a mixed bag. But ultimately, yeah. I had I had a good time with with Spiral and Those Who Wish Me Dead. So, what have you been watching?
0: So, um, both the films I'm going to mention uh, revolve around a trip out of town. Yeah. So I went with my girlfriend. My girlfriend's mom's. Uh, boyfriend has a house in North Carolina Nice, and uh, it's got a beautiful view. I mean, it's lovely. Um, and so we went whitewater rafting. Wonderful. Okay. And so, uh, like uh there was a, you know, like uh, the sort of, well, you, you program film, so, you know, program the, what we're watching. And so what do you program? That's going to make, you know, a uh, I
1: uh, I mean, I know what would come to mind immediately for me.
0: What was what would that be? The
1: River Wild. Well,
0: that's what I programmed. Hell yeah, that rules! So it's so we, we both think alike. Now, I did the first night. I did do Smokey and the Bandit because I felt like it's sure. short. Who doesn't love that film? They had the folks who had seen it hadn't seen it in a long time. Really enjoyable. Um, my girlfriend fell asleep in the first five minutes, which is not unusual. Um, but it, the, the television was on soap opera mode, uh, so I didn't I didn't mm. wake her up because I was like, yeah, just go yeah, ahead just, sleep. just sleep. But here. we ch- we we got it fixed for uh, for the River Wild, which we watched after whitewater rafting that day. That's so much. Which fun. was kind of perfect. And this is a film from 1994, of course, directed by do you know Curtis Hanson Curtis Hanson you're absolutely correct and of course starring Meryl Streep and David
1: Strathairn Kevin Bacon Davis John Strithairn. C. Riley.
0: yeah David Strathairn from Nomadland yeah um and you know it's not good um but, yeah, it is but it was you know basically every time they were on the raft and she's screaming paddle it's a uh, my girlfriend's steps sister um or you know Almost stepsister, yeah. um, Was the one who was our guide. And so I kept turning to her and just saying, like, that was you. You know that was you. That is this is exactly how you treated us on the river, Um, which made it really really fun because it is if you whitewater raft at any point in time, watch the film that night and it is somehow just hilarious. Yeah. So anyway, um, and there were some stressful moments on the river, but and then I spent the rest of the weekend kind of saying, you know what, we're doing tomorrow, we're doing the Gauntlet, Um, and so it provides a lot of fodder that I don't know if I'll be invited back for uh, again. But um, anyway, I I can't say anything else without spoiling too much because there's a dog in the film and I was being threatened. If something happened to the dog, whatever. Um, The thing I do want to say about this film, though, is that there is a scene. If you want to see Meryl Streep instructing a shirtless Kevin Bacon how to fly fish, this is the film for you. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Uh, There's also a moment at the beginning where Kevin Bacon's kind of cute and everybody noted oh he's you know why did everybody think he was too ugly for Footloose and he takes his hat off and they go oh that's why he's got like a little porcupine under there anyway that scene is also um, a fun one the other film we were like there was a little two screen theater Uh that we saw on our way up and it was like I really want to go to that and so my girlfriend being very kind and sweet was like we're going to make time and go to the theater so we did and we went in and saw Those Who Wish Me Dead
1: honestly kind of a good double feature with the River Wild. Yes,
0: and that I she picked that. I mean that was the yeah. one, you know, that was her selection, which I was like, yeah, it's all woodsy and it feels it's shot in Canada, but you know what, it's just like North Carolina. Canada turns out Canada's just like North Carolina.
1: Lots of pine trees.
0: Um anyway, so it's uh it's a brutal damn film. Yeah. I mean there are some brutal I was shocked. I mean I was, you know, visibly reacting. The other thing is this little two-screen theater. I, I I'll not gonna take too much time to talk about it, but I do want to say it, it both screens had a separate entrance. It was kind of a funny little theater. Nice. And I went and found the perfect seat in the house. There were only a few other people in the room, and I found the perfect seat far away from folks, right dead center for the sound. And I go to sit down, and the chair falls apart. <laughs> um, and not because of any COVID weight that I gained, y'all. It just was – it was broke. It was already yeah. broke, and it was dark, and I couldn't see. Um, and so I, welcome back to the theater. Anyway, um, the popcorn was great, though. Uh, I, I like the film. Yeah. I had a good time. It's good. I screamed out a lot. It is a strange film, I think. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it is a strange film. And there is an article in The Atlantic that um, I kind of suggest, if you haven't read it yet, called Hollywood. The headline is, Hollywood does not know what to do with Angelina Jolie. And it is an interesting article because I think it's wrong in some points. Yeah. Uh, it some parts. I think it's right in some parts. I – don't know that Angelina Jolie knows what to do with Angelina Jolie. I think that's
1: more the thing.
0: It's interesting. I think you know. I don't. I don't know Angelina, um, but I she's a little out of touch. I don't when, and this is I'm balancing my feminism here with some comments that I'm about to make, acknowledging that this is complicated. But when you look like that you don't look like a fucking firefighter in the middle of the woods
1: her her screen persona the, you know the the persona that she has cultivated yes. for herself yes. has been a more sort of elegant sort of elevated I, I don't i don't know how to describe it but but not a, not a down-to-earth screen persona. Right, and
0: her face doesn't, her face, I mean, there's a smoky eye, there's a, like, all the things that she's doing with the cheekbones and whatever yeah. injectables she's having, which I'm not, like, this is not a criticism of her face work, okay? Right. I really don't mean it that way. Because it's,
1: I, it's really good.
0: It's really good. Yeah, she's, she, I mean, she looks great. Shocker, Angelina Jolie has the best cosmetic surgeon in the world. She okay? can afford to look great. But- it doesn't look like a firefighter in the middle of the woods. No. It just doesn't.
1: I I was thinking when I was watching it if this movie had come out in 1995 like God yes. intended um <laughs> we 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 would have like I don't know Julia Roberts in this role and there was something more down to earth and and Girl laid next back door-ish. exactly about julia roberts' persona especially in the 90s that would have made that movie work a little more. now julia roberts was much younger then so it probably wouldn't have carried the weight uh, that this character is supposed to play. i was trying to think about who would work better in this role because that is my one hang up about the movie is that i like everything about it a lot I just don't think Angelina Jolie is right for the the, mo- the movie. She's, she's not, not right for the part. But at
0: the same time, I enjoy watching her. Totally, she has moments of badassism. Yeah, which this article kind of says, like she's not given enough action. They're not do- And I'm like, is she not given enough action, or is that is this? You know, what's more interesting? A woman her age mm-hmm. who actually is in that job, who has been had, you know, some sort of tragedy happen within the within the profession, which would which would yeah, which is very likely dealing with aging out of being somebody who is in the trenches that's a that's sort of what it's it's playing around yeah that, it almost but it never there. goes there right and so i i think the article i think the, part of the reason i recommend this article but i don't wholeheartedly agree with is that there is something interesting about angelina jolie's choices what hollywood is doing with her the casting of her the performance that's that kind of brings me to this point, which is that at some point in the film, within the first 30 minutes, my girlfriend looked at me in the film and kind of said, why did she do that? Like, why did she choose this role? I think that was the question. Yeah. Something along those lines. And I said, misguided feminism. That mm-hmm. was my answer, which I then kind of a little bit later in the film thought, well, that was probably not fair. Because, you know, uh, of a million reasons. But But point being that in some ways... I'm coming back to that comment. Like it feels a little all of it feels a little like misguided feminism. Anyway, we're not we're not gonna this is not a reflections. This is a what I'm watching. So I'll wrap it up by saying interesting film.
1: Yeah, I ultimately good. You know who'd have been good in that is, you know, keep on keeping with her recent D Glam, you know, thing, put Amy Adams in that movie. Yeah. Cuz that would have been interestingly if, about uh against type for her a little bit agreed. too. Agreed.
0: And I wonder if that's part of what's going on, right? Like Angelina Jolie has been working for many, many years to be an action hero star. Yeah. I get why. I do think it's often misguided. I get why. Um and I I but I wonder if seeing her do something I wonder if at this point in the in the trajectory of both of those very talented women's careers that seeing them do something that's so out of type is would be appropriate at this point.
1: Well, or, or, or somebody who would be very, very cast to type, but who who's almost as glamorous as Jolie, but who audiences don't for a second, like, not buy as an action heroine yeah. is Charlize.
0: Well, of course. And, of course, that name comes up in the Atlantic article because, you know, she she's – I mean, pr- gets, there's too much talk. About Charlize Theron stripping her makeup off, and you know, like, come the fuck on, and right. and and, so I mean, there's too much talk around it, but it is something that like she is physically capable of of doing that doesn't feel, it doesn't feel, it f- it feels authentic. It feels like it's working. Whereas Angelina Jolie and the persona and the and and, and the hair and makeup, which is part of the deal here, y'all, like yeah. you know, right, like it it it's not working. It's not fucking. It's inauthentic. Working. Yes.
1: Um, still a good movie.
0: Still a good movie, and and I would argue again that this is what I'm talking about here. Is just the scratch of the surface of a conversation that we could have yeah. about about um, you know, what part of what we're skirting around and part of what the Atlantic article talks about is we don't have this kind of issue with our aging male no. actors. Yeah, we that's totally don't. true. Uh, we don't have it, and so I'm wondering. I'm interested in this conversation, but I will I will wrap this up by saying, interesting article, interesting film. Um. And she's not bad in it, y'all. No, like, that's she's, the not. Thing. she's not. She's bad not bad She's it.
1: actually pretty good. She's just not right for the she's movie. That's
0: not right. So, interesting conversation um, and more to be had. So, that's what I'm watching.
1: And now we'd like to welcome Charlie Brown Sanders III to the studio
2: for his segment, Film History Minute with Charlie Brown. In 1895, H.G. Wells released The Time Machine, a novel about time travel considered influential in the development of science fiction. To date, this particular story has inspired many radio broadcasts, comic book adaptations, two television series, and three feature films, including the one we are discussing today, The Time Machine, released by MGM in 1960. The driving force behind the 1960 film was George Powell, a Hungarian-American animator, film director, and producer known primarily for his innovative work in animation. In 1932, while still in Hungary, Powell produced a short advertising film for a local theater featuring dancing cigarettes made with a type of stop-motion animation that used a different hand-carved wooden puppet for each frame. His work became popular in Europe, and by 1940, Paramount Pictures had hired him to produce his Puppetunes films in Los Angeles. From 1941 to 1948, Pal created more than 40 Puppetoon shorts for Paramount and was nominated for an Academy Award in the Best Short Subjects Cartoon category for seven consecutive years. During this time, one of the Puppetoon's characters, Jasper, was as popular as Mickey Mouse. The series ended due to rising production costs, which had increased from $18,000 per short in 1939 to almost $50,000 following World War II. Powell shifted his focus onto making live action films, and in 1953, he produced The War of the Worlds based on an H.G. Wells story. In 1954, Powell approached novice screenwriter David Duncan to write the script for another Wells story, The Time Machine. Duncan was 40 and new to show business, having spent his career in government administration. After selling a science fiction story to Collier's Magazine, he had quit his job and moved to Los Angeles. Duncan would go on to become a successful film and TV screenwriter, and he received a posthumous writing credit for the 2002 remake of The Time Machine, which was directed by H.G. Wells' great-grandson, Simon Wells. Australian actor Rod Taylor would make his American film debut as a leading man in The Time Machine, which launched his impressive film career. Taylor's co-star Alan Young, better known today from the TV show Mr. Ed, was cast as Philby, the time traveler's best friend. 42 years later, Young would appear as a character named Philby in the 2002 remake. When Young showed up to the wardrobe fittings, he found the same period costume shirt that he had worn in the original film, complete with his name written on the collar. As the time traveler, Taylor, who was 5'11", is supposed to be much taller than the Eloi and the Marlocks. So, all the actors cast had to be shorter than 5'8". The majority of the actors who portray the savage Morlocks are professional wrestlers. Their thick bodies, stalking postures, and over-exaggerated reactions to being struck were the same performing techniques they were using in the ring. The design of the time machine itself was inspired by Powell's favorite toy as a child, a sled. Powell liked how the sled-like design of the machine could slide into time. In 1971, the time machine prop was sold at an MGM Studio auction. The buyer was the owner of a traveling show. Five years later, the prop was found in a thrift store in Orange, California. Film historian Bob Burns purchased it for $1,000. Using blueprints his friend George Powell had given him years earlier, he and a crew of friends restored it. The Time Machine won an Academy Award for Best Special Effects for its time-lapse photographic effects, which show the world changing rapidly as the time traveler journeys into the future. When the time traveler stops in 1966, in the front window of a department store, there is a brief shot of the latest tubeless TV. It looks remarkably like a modern flat-panel computer monitor. George Powell was a close friend of fellow animator Walter Lance, who had helped him get his American citizenship. As tribute, Powell tried to include Woody Woodpecker references in all of his films. In the scenes where the Eloy are having a good time, every so often, you can distinctly hear the Woody Woodpecker laugh.
1: So thank you very much for listening to this episode of Side Talks.
0: A very talky one, a very talky Side Talks. Um, we are your own personal cinematic. You're never gonna get it. Okay. You ready? Yeah. F- uh, Frank Clarence Mars, and William Murray.
1: You're right. I did not get that.
0: That's Mars and Hershey.
1: I. Chocolate. The, bars. the chocolate. What, the chocolate bars. Are these the founders of the chocolate? Well, companies? they were the
0: they were the presidents. Yeah. Okay. Even though I would assume Frank Clarence Mars was the founder of Mars Bar. Yeah. But anyway. Right.
1: uh, Your own Uh,
0: cinematic Frank Clarence Morris and William Murray. Did not get that. Man, if you got it, you a chocolate lover. (laughs) So I am too. So shoot me an email. Um, Podcast at sidewalkfast.com. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, thank you to Batwall Studios, who I believe also love chocolate. Am I right, Brad? Brad's nodding. Yes. Yeah. Chocolate well, lover does. Um, anyway, thanks. Battle uh, Studios. We yeah. love
1: you. And uh, check us out uh, online on social media at Sidewalk Film on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or go to sidewalkfest.com for information about what's going on at the cinema and the upcoming Sidewalk Film Festival, downtown Birmingham this August. You're going to want to be there.
0: It's an in person event like the Tribeca <laughs>
1: Film Festival. And thank
0: you so much for listening and thanks to Splash 96 for our music and uh, we're done. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.